Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Owen Jones. Gambling addiction is a huge problem in this country. It wrecks so many lives, including the lives of young people and indeed children. Now, lots of people and companies have struggled during the pandemic, but gambling companies are making a packet from online gambling. Now, I want to talk to Matt Zarb-Cousin and James Grimes. They're both former gambling addicts turned campaigners. And they tell me how they were driven to the very edge by their addiction, how the industry exploits the vulnerable, how cosmetic reforms have made little difference, and how the worst post-war emergency has allowed online gambling to thrive. Now, if you want to support the podcast, uh, do support us on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84, or the support function. Leave us five stars in a review if you're feeling uh, so inclined. And with that, enjoy the podcast. So thanks for joining me, both of you. Let's just start with your experiences. So, Matt, you were 16 when you started gambling. So just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I started gambling in betting shops. This is back in 2006 um, on fixed odds betting terminals, which were machines that you could bet up to £100 every 20 seconds on. And they offered high speed, high stakes roulette in uh, high street menus, which were obviously very accessible. I wasn't ID'd when I went in, so I was underage. And uh, yeah, these machines are highly addictive. About between 40 and 50% of the people that use them experience some degree of gambling-related harm. So um, yeah, I was involved in the campaign to reduce the maximum stake down to two pounds a spin, and that came into force uh, in 2019. Thankfully, when I was addicted to gambling, internet gambling and smartphones weren't really around, because I think if Mm -hmm. that was the case, it would have been so much more difficult it's one thing trying to stay away from a betting shop, which betting shops are, I mean, pretty ubiquitous. Uh, if you pop out for some shopping, you'll inevitably pass a betting shop. It's difficult enough staying out of them. But if you've got a smartphone in your pocket, effectively got a, a gambling machine and a gambling vehicle platform everywhere you go. Uh, how, if you don't mind me asking, how bad did it get with you? Well, it got to the point where I, would, I was a, I'd lost about £20,000 by the time I was 20, which is money I didn't have, obviously. But I didn't have to lose. Um, I borrowed a huge amount of it. Uh, so I was in a lot of debt. And gambling is one of those unique addictions where you can actually convince yourself um, that by carrying on with the thing you're addicted to, it will solve all the problems that that addiction has created because you can convince yourself you're just one win away or a series of wins away from solving all of the problems that you've got yourself into. And it's only when you have no access to any money and you know, you're at the point where you've, I got to the point where I sold all my possessions, I sold my laptop, I'd sold my um, mm-hmm. everything. I basically could sell on eBay, I'd sold to fund the addiction, try and chase the losses. Then I was sort of having to face up then to 
where it had got me and were it not for an intervention from my parents you know I, I was um suicidal at that point so I dread to think what might have happened mm-hmm. uh so yeah I mean it, it takes you to a very dark place and because it's not a substance it, it hasn't until very recently I don't think been really considered on a par with drugs and alcohol but actually it is it, it's you know what similar to cocaine addiction actually what's going on in your brain it's mm-hmm. very physiological James, do you want to tell us about about your experience, about what happened with you? Yeah, strangely very similar to Matt in terms of exactly the same age, exactly the same way. Initially, I was drawn in by the advertising and just how normal and innocent and casual gambling is made out to be in society. And I heard someone describe it as a generation of the, the Ray Winston era. And I think I was a child of that era thinking mm-hmm. that you had to have a bet on to watch the football and I did. And uh, I didn't have a big first win or anything like that. It, it, it was a, just a slow dwindling of not just my money, but my time. Um, everything around me was just um, focused around getting that next bet on. And that was for 12 years. It's a long time to live with, a, with an addiction and not at any point did the gambling company ask me if I could afford what I was doing in fact, they incentivized it. They encouraged me to gamble when I shouldn't. They had me on VIP schemes. Um, when I when I reached out and tried to stop, you know, the, the treatment wasn't there. The support wasn't there. I, I take full responsibility for my recovery, but I was completely failed by the gambling industry in this country for so many years. I mean, what impact? I mean, 12 years is a huge amount of life. What impact did that have on your life in terms of, you as a person, I mean, it must have been that constant stress that must have been a, a kind of feature of your life about the way you related to other people. What kind of impact did it just have on every aspect of life? Exactly that. It, it just destroyed every area of it. I think as a young person, I was pretty motivated and determined. I, I literally had 100 things on my wall that I wanted to achieve before I was 30. And gambling literally and metaphorically stripped all those things away from me as a young person. Um, and throughout my life, it, it, you know, it, the financial element is important. I estimate I lost hundred thousand pounds, which, you know, yeah. lots of people lose a lot more. Um, and, and as Matt says, a lot of that money wasn't mine. It was money that I couldn't afford to lose, but it's not the thing that I look back at with regret. It's, it's all the other things that it took away from me. And, something that's not said a lot is it leaves permanent damage just because you stop betting doesn't mean that all, all of a sudden your life's better. All those mental scars that are there for years of addiction and the, the things that it causes are still there to this day. During the pandemic, one of the sectors that has done really well, as obviously lots of people have struggled and we suffered the worst crisis since World War II, has been, the, has been betting companies. They've done really, really well. They reported profits in 2020, a surge in online gambling during lockdown. Entame, which owns Corral and Ladrux, reported 175 million profit to the end uh, of 2020 and a 28% increase in income from online gambling. Now, when you hear that, what's your reaction? Matt, start with you. Well, I think it's, uh, I just think of all the harm that would have been caused by that because it's you know it's important to recognize that the majority of profits in this industry are coming from people who have got gambling problems Mm -hmm. Uh, the house of lords 
gambling industry select committee estimates it's 60 percent of the profits coming from five percent of the people that are experiencing harm uh, we had research last week that was commissioned by gamble aware that put that figure more like more like 80 85 percent so when there's an increase in profits inevitably it means that more people have got addicted to gambling or more people have lost more than they can afford to lose and as a consequence of that uh, it may be that they will require treatment or it may mm -hmm. be maybe that they uh, as a result of their gambling addiction lose their job or it may be that they re retreat from society in some way um, I feel like the lock I feel like lockdown has really um, exacerbated a lot of pre-existing social problems and gambling features among those and I think mm -hmm. that uh, where people have been isolated where people have been alone uh, the predisposition to gamble has increased I think hugely and that's why in December uh, it was the, a record month in gambling industry online gambling profits about 600 million pounds was lost in one month and the vast majority of this is coming from slots so last year in the year most recent that we've had full statistics 2.2 billion out of 5 billion pounds that's lost online to online gambling has come from online slots and here they have absolute online they have absolutely no limits to the stake um you can spin every two and a half seconds but unlike on fixed odds betting terminals maximum stake is unlimited you can bet as much as you want and uh this obviously it does it's a feature that preys on people who are more likely to be addicted because if the more likely you are to, to have a gambling problem the more likely you are to stake up to stake more and uh in the first lockdown we saw slots increase by 30 percent and yeah it's a huge problem uh addiction rates uh people who are people who use slots is about between 40 and 45 percent it's a huge amount huge proportion of people that use this product who, who experience problems with it what do you think james when you when you you know lots of people have struggled lots of sectors of the economy have badly struggled what do what do you think it means when a sector like gambling does well in an emergency like this what what's that telling us it's um it's pretty hard to to stomach to be honest i on a personal level i can tell you that if i was still gambling during lockdown i honestly don't think i'd be here anymore and i know that there's so many people out there that are currently struggling because this pandemic proof industry are constantly pushing their products we know that people that play online slots for more than an hour has increased during a during a lockdown and you know barriers to treatment are there because of this this relentless push of advertising during the start of the first lockdown six weeks into it by the way the gambling companies took off adverts from the tv after pressure but they just replaced them with responsible gambling adverts so th these tokenistic measures have failed to reduce gambling harm they're just another way of getting more customers onto the higher addictive products and the 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 worrying figure from the gambling commission as well is that more customers are trying more products so you've got more people that are trying things that they haven't played before without understanding the risks involved without understanding that it can lead to addiction 
And I dread to think, to be honest, I don't think we really will see the scale of harm until this has been and gone. And meanwhile, you've got gambling companies making millions on a daily basis. I mean, how do gambling companies, what are the kind of ruses and, you know, the successful ways through advertising, they get people hooked and then from then on in. And how do you think that interacts with with lockdown when you have millions of people locked away, isolated, often bored, often under quite a lot of mental stress? I mean, how do you think that the normal model of how gambling companies get at people has collided with this emergency? Matt, what do you think? Well, digital advertising has increased exponentially. In the first lockdown, it, it tripled. And what they tend to do is they'll advertise sports betting, mainly football, uh, things that you know people can reasonably think they might have a bit of knowledge about, and it might be it might add to the enjoyment that they already have for football. They'll sign up, put a bet on, and then they'll immediately be cross-sold the more addictive products. They'll be be incessantly bombarded with inducements to get on the slots here's some free credit here's some you know have you tried this game uh push notifications emails uh because they want that's where they want the customers they want the customers on the more addictive products because their business model is that a very small proportion of people will lose more than they can afford and that's what drives the majority of their profits and look there is another way i believe there is another way of running and regulating this industry, which is more sustainable and less conducive to harm. Um, but it does require you know, significant intervention compared to what we've had. And as a result of that lack of intervention, we're, we're in a position, in, particularly in the first lockdown, where you know, digital advertising was, it, it was everywhere. And it's like the gambling companies, they, they knew, they pay lip service to social responsibility. They have tokenistic measures, as James described, which are effectively window dressing. And all the while they're pumping out marketing for what they know to be their most lucrative and addictive product. What are your thoughts, James, about their, their model and how it's collided with the pandemic? Yeah, I think gambling companies use appeal strategies that are probably even more appealing during the time when everyone's sitting at home not doing anything. If you see an advert, it makes it look like to be, if you play this game, you're going to be socialised and it's going to be fun and it's going to be enjoyable. If you're sitting at home bored, that all of a sudden becomes a lot more um, appealing. And I think nowhere more is it felt than in sport. I'm sure we've all noticed when you watch football, the seats where fans would sit have been replaced by absolutely huge banners of gambling companies. And we've got a, a situation where we're supposedly having a whistle-to-whistle ban on gambling adverts during sport, um, but we've got broadcasts lasting 10 to 12 hours. So there is no whistle. The gambling adverts are constant, and it's another tokenistic measure by the gambling industry. So the gambling companies say that they actually have made changes, that they have listened and they have learned, uh, for example, spins per minute that you can do. What would you say to that? It's made very little difference. Uh, the, the average, according to the research that was published last week, it was commissioned by Gamble where the average spins per minute anyway was about 30. So now it's every two and a half seconds, it's 24. So it's, the, the things that they do will not really ever voluntarily impact their profits because what they, what they cannot reconcile as an industry, as, a, as lobbyists, um, and this is what means that self-regulation will never work, 
is that if they reduce harm, then they're going to significantly reduce their profits in the short term, at least. And they're just not prepared to do that. And gambling is one of those kind of, kind of unique industries where if there is a logic to the market, then it's sort of undermined by the way gambling is offered because you, there is an antagonism between the consumer and the vendor. One wins and one loses. It's not like buying a product or a service where everyone gets something out of the transaction. So in that context, you need more rigorous regulation, more rigorous consumer protection. And as we've seen with Football Index recently, uh, which has collapsed uh, because of a failure of oversight, because of failure of the regulator to understand the business model, um, unfortunately, that, that level of consumer protection is actually even lower than what people would expect in any other sector. What do you think, James, in terms of how gambling companies have claimed that they have changed and made reforms? I would, I would say that you've got 1.4 million people in this country that are addicted to gambling. You've got 3.6 million people that are affected by somebody else's gambling and up to 650 gambling-related suicides in this country. So whatever tick box changes they're doing is not working. And we know it's, this is a strong word to use, but we know it's all a big con. We know that they've got the data to prevent harm, but they use it to further their profits. And as Matt says, as, it's a contradiction. They, the only way that they'll reduce harm is by reducing their profits. And that's why we need a public health approach to it. An argument we get a lot as well is impinging on people's freedoms to, to place a bet. But I can tell you honestly, the gambling industry in its current form strips away people's freedom. It took away my liberty and my freedom of choice for years. And um, I don't want to stop anyone having a bet, but I, don't want, to, I want to make sure no one's harmed by gambling in this country thanks for listening everyone i hope you enjoyed that uh, do support us on patreon.com forward slash owen jones 84 help us decide who we talk to what we talk about the documentaries we do uh, and also on the supporter function uh, which you can see in the description and leave us five stars and a review this just helps other people listen uh, and with that thank you so much speak soon 